Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Transatlantic Crime. Oh god, I just woke up from a nap. Oh, you did? That's awesome. I got everything set up and then, like, it was such an accidental nap. Like, you know how old people fall asleep in a chair? (laughs) Like, like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to cozy down for a nap. I was like, I've just slipped off to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, I woke up to a message from you being like, ready when you are. And I was like, like, fuck, I woke up. (laughs) I know you didn't answer for a few minutes. And I was like, oh, maybe she's still setting up. I don't know. It's because I had four ciders last night, so obviously today I need to be hospitalised because I'm 32. Oh no! Fucking hideous. Yeah. <laughs> Me and James um, recorded another Patreon episode last night. Ooh. And he, yeah, so we did it on Chris Benoit, um, you know, the wrestler that mm-hmm. um, killed his like entire family. Yeah. Because James is super into wrestling, so we did that, but... I was getting like progressively more drunk and he just wasn't and and the internet kept dropping out. So like, I think I've got it all, but I'm not sure that I fucking do. And I could see that he was like losing patience and he was like, I'm really tired. And I was like, five more minutes. (laughs) And obviously I have to edit it, which I hate. (laughs) All for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. I was going to say, if you want to listen to the um, first podcast that me and James did there it's on Patreon and it's on um, the Judas Priest lawsuit so mm. you know those kids you yeah. know those kids like blew their faces off with a shotgun right and then their, their parents basically tried to say that it was Judas Priest's fault because <laughs> they were listening to Judas Priest records <laughs> it's so ridiculous I remember like that's what they said about the Columbine shooters that they listened to oh, really? Marilyn Manson it's really annoying that he actually turned out to be a bad seed. I know. <laughs> but the definitely but, the shooting definitely wasn't their fault, like his fault. Yeah, you can't blame music on it. You just can't. Yeah. You can blame the guns um, and, that are in the children's hands. Yeah, and you could when you listen to the episode there's a, their lives are just a mess. Mm. So it's clear that it's not about um one record they just set them off. They Judas guy from Judas Priest was like people are saying that if you play our records backwards it, it says shit like do it kill yourself he was like if I was going to put anything in my record that played backwards I would say buy more records <laughs> <laughs> he's like why the fuck would I want to kill my own fan base <laughs> I love that so logical I know it really is he was like why on earth would I want to kill my fan base you're being fucking absolutely mad <laughs> really like and like these Christian angry mums <laughs> just like out the records (laughs) yeah so check out our patreon if you want to listen to that episode i can't wait to listen to it i still have to listen to the first one that you sent me but i'm very excited and for the next one and speaking of patreon i just went out for a quick drive to the post office and sent out a sticker that i was supposed to send out a long time ago oh that's okay (laughs) people you just blame the damn post office (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, that's that's what took so long. Not not me moving in my mess of a life. Oh, I hate going to the post office, though. I hate it. I, I, I don't know why. I don't mind it if I don't have anywhere else to be. But when I, I have... just think in this modern day and age, why the fuck isn't there a better system? Like you can order something off Amazon and it's there the next day at your door. Yeah. Now you have to go and queue up with like other old people who are complaining. And then some lady has to like stamp all your shit and like <laughs> write it, write it down with a pen. And I'm just like, weigh it on a machine. And I'm like, what the fuck? This like, is there has to be a better way. This is like a perfect segue. I listen to a lot of podcasts that get sponsored by stamps.com. So if we got sponsored by stamps.com, this would be a perfect segue into <sighs> that. Because that's what they complain Sick of about. Going to the post office. <laughs> But the thing is, with us in England, it's the Royal Mail and it's not privatized. Mm. So it's like a state run thing. You can't do it any other way. Like it's the, it's the, the stamp has a queen on it. That's the same with us. Ours is uh, so, yeah. federal, like I believe. The US. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You, know, that, you can't. That horrible, that horrible, like, coughing sound you heard is the dog just <laughs> like going. <laughs> <laughs> Awful man. Oh, Arlo. <laughs> Just does whatever he wants, regardless of what you've got going on. Yeah. Like, doesn't give a flying fuck. Our dogs are so similar. As long as do what he wants. Well, I think it's dogs in general. Like, they're just, they're like toddlers. They're so unashamedly selfish. Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Some of them are The only like, way they do what you want is if you give them food. <laughs> that's true. But some of them are really, like, sweet and dumb and loyal and will listen to you. But others, oh, yeah. like our dogs, are too smart. And they, like, my dog, when you tell him to do something, he thinks about it. And he yeah. decides whether he wants to do it or not. If it's worth his while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say, um, as I was, like, falling asleep, it's because I put on... A program um, with Billy Jensen, and I can't remember the girl's name, um, but it's um, about the Long Island serial killer. Oh yeah, he's you know, been talking. About, yeah, he's been talking a lot about that on uh, Murder Squad. So I haven't watched it yeah, yet. Like, Is it good? I mean, uh, you fell yeah, asleep. Yeah, so in England, uh, yeah, I, but I'm so tired. <laughs> but honestly, I've been working like a fucking prisoner of war mm. like it's been ridiculous like yeah. how much work i've been doing and podcast stuff so uh yeah i'm really tired but anyway no it, it was really good but i also find billy jensen's voice very soothing really <laughs> yeah mm. i like it i listened okay. to an audiobook by him before and i liked it i think he also he's also as my mum would say a bit of a dish <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a bit dishy isn't he um He's not my type, but I can he's bit, see it. He's a bit lank. He's like he's a bit lanky, but like his face is hot. That's your opinion. Maybe I haven't had <laughs> sex in a while. <laughs> oh, I, I get to it. I see it. I just—it's just not me. It's just not for me. Not your cup of tea. No, I mean I much prefer Paul Holes. If we're gonna go down there and talk about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. We can have one each. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we can share. We can go on double dates. Yeah. Um, Fun, I would, but I wouldn't kick him out of bed either. But um, <laughs> I think it's because Billy Jensen's like a goth as well. Mm, like, yeah, he's like a he's like a hot goth that solves crimes. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? Yeah. I also had a well. Have you listened to any um, like true crime stuff this week or any 
Hmm. True crime news you want to talk about? No, I've well, I've just been listening to the Murder Squad. They just come out with a new mm-hmm. season, so there's two episodes I really out so like far. The Murder Squad. I I love it. It's so good. Um, so I would definitely they, recommend it if you haven't listened to it. There's so many episodes now that you could just binge. I want to go on their website as well because they always put up like pictures of Jane Doe's and like. Mm. It's basically like help us solve the murder, right? Yeah, yeah. They use the power of like their listeners. The web sleuth. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And Paul Hall's got a lovely voice as well. He does. I find he pronounces like every letter in every word. He does. <laughs> every T. He's like. Every dotted I. Yeah. <laughs> he really does. He's almost like a computer that's been taught to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's, he's yeah. doing a show too as well, so... Look out for that one coming soon. Is it the the DNA of murder with Paul Holes? No, I think it's a new. That's it's already a new out. show. Yeah, there's a new oh, show good, coming out cause... that he keeps talking about. He's been working on. We're just becoming a promo for other shows and podcasts and stamps.com. <laughs> Where's our payment? Well, fuck all the other guys. Right, I got a really funny story for you. Right, that my dad told me okay. yesterday. I don't know how on earth he hasn't told me it yeah i'm 32 years old right okay so i've got an auntie called marianne okay and she used to have a husband called tony and back in the 80s him and my dad worked together and they were like they got on really well Mm -hmm. and um one day marianne called him up and she was like crying and he was like oh my god what's wrong and she was like oh the the police came and they've taken Tony to prison. What? <laughs> and he was like, what for? And she was like, for not paying his fines. He basically had like traffic fines. <laughs> what? And he was like, my dad was like, but I thought he was giving you the money to pay the fines. Because basically he would like, when he got paid, I mean, fuck him back in that day. It was like, you got a brown envelope with money in basically. Yeah. That was your paycheck. Right. And he would, he would give Marianne his like keep or his rent or whatever. And then he would give her the money to pay off the fines. And for some reason, she just wasn't paying them. <laughs> so, like, so he got, got punished for it. <laughs> no. Like, basically, like, apparently they knocked on the door and they were like, oh, is um, Tony Tony here? And apparently he's like, you know, because it's the 80s, he's like dressing gal, fag on. Yeah. And he's like, uh, <laughs> he's like, look, I know what it's about. Come in, let me just get dressed. <laughs> So anyway, they take him to Andover Police Station, which yeah. I think has like two cells in it. I don't know. I've never been in it. Um, <laughs> my dad went, look, I'll, it's okay. I'll, I'll sort it out. So so basically, Tony didn't go into work that day because he got arrested in the morning. <laughs> so he, my dad went to work and went, listen, everyone liked Tony. And he was like, listen, Tony's been arrested. So we have to pay his fine. <laughs> so, so it was basically like a, this is an 80s crowdfunder. <laughs> So what he did was he went around the office with a bit of paper and said to everybody, give me some money and like I'll write down what you give me and Tony will pay you back when he's back at work. Aww. And so everybody did it. And he went to like the main boss and the main boss was like, no, fuck him. I'm not giving him any money and tell him if he isn't in tomorrow, he's fired. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Tony. My dad was like, what well, the asshole? <laughs> And then apparently, like, he, he said that the guy was an asshole in front of loads of people and the boss's daughter, he didn't know that one of them was the boss's daughter. And then she felt really bad and gave him, like, 50 quid. Oh, wow. I mean, was it a yeah. lot? It, I, th- I asked and he said it was about 200 pounds, oh. which is a lot in the 80s, I think. Yeah. It'd be, like, 500 quid now. Yeah. Yeah, he went to, um, 
Anyway, he went to Andover Police Station after work. No, sorry, he went to Andover Police Station at lunch and said, look, I've got the money to pay his fines. Can you please just let him out so he can come to work? And they were like, sorry, he's been taken to Winchester, which is a bigger, an actual prison. No. Like, not just a police station. And um, it had, obviously, loads of cells. So it was like, fuck. He was like, okay, well, I can't. And uh, Winchester is a twenty-minute drive from Andover. So he was like, "I can't, I can't go there in lunchtime. So I'm just gonna have to do it after work." So after work, right? He said he got in his car, and then about like two people were like, "Can we come as well?" Uh, <laughs> just to see, just for the ride. <laughs> yeah, just for the ride. So he went along, and um, he went to the guy at the front desk, like, "Hi, I'm here to pick up Tony. I've got the money to pay his fines." And um, the guy went, all oh, right, okay, well, he'll be about half an hour if you want to wait here. Um, here's his stuff, like, in a bag yeah. or whatever. And my dad went, where's his cigarettes? And the guy went, they were destroyed. And my dad <laughs> my dad looked at him and went, with fire. And the guy was just like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he said he just looked at him as if to say, I've had a really long day, like, just piss off. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, anyway, right? So, Tony got out of prison. So, all's well ends well. Okay, good. Yeah, they were on their way back. And then um, my dad went, come on, let's go for a pint. And basically, my nanny Trish and my granddad Jim, God rest his soul, he died quite recently. They owned a pub called The Swallow in Andover. <laughs> this is honestly, this, this is the most Andover story I've ever heard. So or British. Told. <laughs> yeah. And he went, my dad went, should we just go to the pub then? And Tony, Tony was like, I can't, Marianne will kill me. And my dad went, fuck Marianne. <laughs> so they went to the pub and my dad like got him a pint. <laughs> Can you imagine your your brother-in-law saves you from prison? Oh my God. <laughs> and I said, what was she doing with the money? And my dad went, I don't know, I never asked. And he went, do you know what? I'm going to ask her next time I speak to her. Do so it. I might have... I might have an update for you. Yes. And so where's Tony yeah. now? Is is he still around or? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, he's still around. He's still in Andover. And um, his sister, this is so Andover, <laughs> his sister was called Martine. Mm -hmm. And she was my mum's best friend mm -hmm. when they were kids. Aww. <laughs> and then my dad's sister went out with her brother, like, and then got him sent to prison. Oh, it's just so oh. good. <laughs> but they're still married. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and Not I, after I said that. To my dad, why are, I said, why aren't they married? And he was like, you've met Marianne. Oh. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> he was like, she's happy now. She's on her own. Like, she doesn't have to answer to anyone. Like, she's far happier on her own. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, can relate. <laughs> so, yeah. The That's end. That's my auntie, everybody. And everyone Steals lived happily money. ever after. And my dad was like, I don't know what she was spending it on. Like, it's not like she had a drug problem. Like, she, all she did was, like, smoke. And, like, she didn't even drink that much. Like, I don't know what she was doing with that cash. <laughs> Maybe she just really wanted to go to prison. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just subconsciously. Yeah. I'm not going to pay that fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah. Uh, but um, going around the office and being like, look, Tony's been arrested. Who's got some cash? It's just so fucking good. The 80s version of GoFundMe. It's literally an 80s GoFundMe. Yeah. 
because I was thinking like I was thinking like what what would that happen today and I was like no someone would set up a GoFundMe well I mean you do Facebook. that you do that for like at work you do it for people's birthdays and stuff sometimes yeah but no when they go to prison <laughs> no <laughs> Oh, I was like, "How the fuck have you not told me that?" Like, <laughs> I think I think it's because I mentioned that a friend just said, "Oh, when my mum was in prison," and I was like, "Pardon? Like, you, you just dropped that in conversation like it's nothing." And um, I was like, "Why did they go to prison? I want to know everything." And he was like, "I don't know. I never asked. I've never asked. I didn't want to know." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Amazing! I love that Amazing. you just discovered that story. I feel like your dad probably has more stories like that that you just don't know, or your mom. Oh my even. god! Definitely. I'm gonna. Oh my god! I'm gonna ask my mom about it. Because yeah. obviously, it's like from her from her perspective. Like, yes. And do you know what? She, I bet you she'll go. He didn't go to the prison. He was cheating on me. Oh my God. <laughs> I bet you any money she'll be like lying prick. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. They are not together anymore, by the way. Um, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, so I thought that was just one of the best stories I've, I've ever heard from yep. him. Yep, it's love great. it. I think you should yeah. interview um, Marianne for a Patreon episode. Like, it doesn't even have to be that long. Just like 10 minutes. Be like, what happened? Just tell me why. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably get hold of Tony, to be honest, on Facebook. Oh, like, Tony, yeah. do you remember that time you went to prison and my dad <laughs> had to come rescue you? Yes. Oh, that'd be so good. Yeah. Uh, so do you, uh, did you, I know what I want to ask you, which we never followed up on. Hmm. Do you remember I said people left their kids outside shops in prams? Yes. And you said you were going to ask your mum, did, did that happen in America? <laughs> Did you, not, did you not ask her at the end? Because I mean, it was her birthday. N- yeah, it was her birthday. It wasn't really, there wasn't really opportunity for it to come up. But I did look into <laughs> it. And yeah. it it was something that happened like in the 50s. Yeah, I think it happened up until like the 60s. Yeah. And then my mom said, and then baby started going missing. And then people were like, okay, I'm sure yeah. we don't do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of LSD around in the 60s. Like, there was a lot, there was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So, Carly said her mum definitely left her outside because she said basically the fashion for prams was silver cross prams, which are, like, gigantic. Mm. It's like a cot with wheels. And um, my mum said that she was so happy that she had a girl because I've got two older brothers. Yeah. That she bought a pink silver cross pram. Aww. So she was like, so she could like flaunt around town and be like, yeah, it's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's what my grandma was like with me because I was the first girl on my mom's side. Yeah. Her first like yeah. granddaughter. And she just loved yeah, to yeah. like take me on day trips and be like, here's Aww. my granddaughter. All pink. Yeah. All dressed in pink. <laughs> Little bow. Yeah. The only like, thing was like. your like two hairs up. Yeah. When I was like, I was like maybe three at that time and I didn't grow hair. I didn't have hair for like until I was like four. (laughs) My cousin was the same. Yeah. So I did. So like people, they had to like dress me in like frilly dresses. So it was obvious that I was a girl. Yeah. Stick a bow to your head. Yeah. My parents thought I was ill. I had, I had loads (laughs) of hair, so I was okay. Yeah. You were lucky. Um, I was. My dad used to leave us in the car all the time. Sometimes he'd leave yeah, it running. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So maybe yeah, that's like the yeah, 80s version that. of like leaving your kids outside. 
I remember not having to wear seatbelts. I remember being in a car just full of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. And like the smoke and as a courtesy as a courtesy your parents would crack a window an inch (laughs) (laughs) my parents didn't smoke but my grandparents did just house and car full of smoke both my parents did yeah yeah my aunt my aunties and uncles did as well i've got like a scar on my head where i ran into my auntie donna's cigarette (laughs) when we were at a party and my mom was like stop running around (laughs) (laughs) i have a scar on my head too when a kid hit me with a stick (laughs) It was bad. Uh, also, um, my friend Nathan's got um, kids and he's like, long story short, they live in Northern Ireland. Yeah. So he he has to drive from Andover to Liverpool, get the ferry, what? get them and come back. Oh, they're, they're split like up? seven and ten. Yeah. Okay. And the, the mum just like went to Northern Ireland and took the kids one night and mm. just like left in the middle of the night. Wow. He was like, thank Thanks for that. Um, so basically, so now that's how he, but he's got them for two weeks now, like over Easter. Okay. And he was going, oh God, it's tears before bedtime. Like Jamie shot, I can't remember their names now. Uh, Jake and Jamie. He, he, Jamie shot Jake in the mouth with a Nerf gun. I was like, <laughs> dude, the amount of Nerf guns I got shot with, like come the fuck on. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then he was like, when I was a kid, getting shot shot in the mouth of the Nerf gun was like basically a treat. (laughs) Just a regular Tuesday night. (laughs) (laughs) Why do people invent Nerf guns? I don't know. It's like, they are so dangerous. You really could have an eye out with one of those. And they're annoying. Yeah. Like... (laughs) One of my friends got Fucking one and they had everywhere. like a, they had a Nerf gun fight. A bunch of friends had Nerf guns and so Will got some too. But she said that she was shooting them for her dog to catch and they were like this big. They were like the size of a coin, like little yeah. yellow ones. And she had to, she ended up having to take her dog to the vet because she had swallowed some of the Nerf like bullets. Oh, what do you no. call them? But do, you, do you call them bullet balls? I, don't, I think I don't they know. are bullets. <laughs> ammunition like she would shoot them out and then the dog would bring them back but accidentally swallow some in the process <laughs> i would let it take its chances i think they're only foam yeah <laughs> well i i guess there were too many she had to have them surgically removed <laughs> Fuck. and you have no one to blame for that but yourself yeah and that's really or that's really annoying yeah <laughs> Arlo the other day I gave like sometimes I'll just give him like stuff to lick like Hmm. if a burger comes in a wrapper I'll let him lick the wrapper yeah or something because he just I don't know he just likes paper quite a lot and um just keeps him amused for like five minutes yeah and I gave him a muffin wrapper and um I was just like doing like working I looked over and it was completely gone and I was like oh He's eating the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, paper's fine. Oh, he'll be fine. Yeah. But I was just like, this is why I probably shouldn't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> I took my eye off him for two minutes and he ate a whole muffin wrapper. Aww. Oh, dear. All right. Speaking of mothers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice segue. this week? Yes. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. I'll get better at this. 49 episodes in. Yeah. Almost a and year. And I finally nailed it. Yes. What are we going to do for the year? I don't know. Watch the space, listeners. We don't yep. know what we're doing. So we'll probably figure it out be last exciting. minute. <laughs> but as always. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I go first this week, right? Yes. So the theme is matricide, mm-hmm. which is the act of killing your mother. Yes. 
There's loads. There's loads of words for it. I was on Wikipedia and there's like patricide, killing your father, mm-hmm. frat- fratricide, killing your brother, yeah. um, regicide, killing the king or queen, like all different words. I saw one while I was doing my research. Hold on. Let me make sure I'm... It's like oxoricide or something. Y- yeah, there's uxoricide. so, so many. Which is? Which is a man who murders his wife? That's just called living, isn't it? <laughs> That's just uh, normal. That, you, do, you don't need a word for that, really. No. That is, as it goes, 99% of murders, I would say. I do, yeah, I, <laughs> I feel like that should be in the regular population Vernacular. of words. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it happens yeah. all the time. Why don't we know that word? It's easier just to say he killed his wife. Yeah, that's so, true. Or the husband did it. Uh, okay, so my story this week is a fucking weird one. Mm. And um, I didn't know anything about this. Okay. So, uh, well, there was a murder in England where like a 15-year-old smashed his mom in the head with a hammer and killed her and a few other different ones. But I was like, this one's really interesting. So okay. I thought I'd include this. Yeah. Because uh, it's, not, it's not just straight up murder. So um, Barbara Daly Bakeland was born on September the 28th, 1921 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm not cheating. She does move to England. (laughs) (laughs) I almost did a story Uh, where a Danish man who was living in America, but I didn't do it. So... What's Danish again? Denmark? Damn it. That's the one. Well done. (laughs) I always forget that. Daneland? Just another country. Yeah. So uh, when she was 11, her dad killed himself by gassing himself in his car in their garage. Oh, her and her mother received a life insurance policy and they moved to New York. They started living in the Delmonico Hotel, which is a 32-story building that was built in 1929 as a skyscraper hotel on Park Avenue in Manhattan. So hmm. that ain't a cheap motel. No. like Fancy. Also, Trump owns it now, I think, and oh. he converted it into apartments. Oh, wow. I don't know if that was Trump Jr. or, or the shit one. So Barbara was a beautiful... <laughs> <laughs> Barbara was a beautiful young woman and quickly became a regular on the New York party scene. Okay. She obtained modeling contracts with Vogue and Harper's Bazaar, and she would date many wealthy admirers. And I've seen a photo of her, and she is just a beautiful Hollywood starlet. Mm. She's stunning. She had mental health problems, though, as did her mother, and obviously as did her father because he killed himself. So yeah. these things run, these things can run in the family. Uh, and she was a private patient of a psychiatrist called Foster Kennedy, who apparently is quite famous. Wow. And despite despite being treated, her emotional issues got even worse because she had a drinking and drug abuse habit. She was very, really insecure and would have multiple affairs in the, any relationship that she was in. Yeah. She began a friendship with Cornelia Dickey Bakeland when they both auditioned for a role in a film. Barbara didn't get the part. But her and Cornelia became good pals, and Cornelia introduced Barbara to her younger brother, Brooks, who was a trainee pilot with the Royal Canadian Air Force. He was also the grandson of Leo Bakeland, founder of the Bake Light Plastic. Whoa. I don't know what that is, do you? What is it again? What's you know the what name? that is? Uh, Bake Light Plastic. I'm guessing it's like... Like Tupperware? Yeah, Tupperware. I, I think. That's Something. my guess. Yeah. Uh, I'll look it up, but I mean, why am I looking up plastic? Who cares? So... <laughs> They were rich. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So Barbara fell for him and she told him that she was pregnant, which wasn't true, so that mm. he would marry her. Oh, no. So 
Yeah, the old trickaroo. So <laughs> she, she, he proposed and they quickly got married in California. He must have been furious. <laughs> you could just say she had a miscarriage and no one's any the wiser because men don't want to look. Right. And they, they don't want proof. Like, what they'll year just was go, this okay, again? I'll take a word for it. This is, uh, well, she was born in 1921. Oh, okay. I'd, I'd say this is about 1943. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah men just don't, men 40s. didn't want to know at that time. He, if she said something was going on with her vagina, she just, he just took, took her word for it. She's on her so, word. She's on her own. Yeah. The pair then moved to a luxury apartment on the Upper East Side of New York. They were extremely popular and would have dinner parties for their famous friends, including... Greta Garbo and Tennessee Williams. Mm. So I don't know who these people are. I like I know they're actors and I've heard of their names, but uh obviously they're really, really famous, aren't they? Tennessee Williams is a playwright. He wrote Streetcar okay. Named Desire. Wait, I am double checking oh. that before I sound like a stupid person. Yes. That's I, am right. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> so cleverer than me. <laughs> Um, also it's a, this is to make me sound even more stupid. There's an episode called A Streetcar Named Marge where Marge does yes. that play. Yeah. In The Simpsons. Yes. And she like, Ned, Ned like pulls his shirt off and he's really buff. Yeah. And then she like, she, she's really angry at Homer and she goes to stab Ned with a bottle and he's like, oh, almost nicked me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, however... Barbara would sometimes have rude outbursts, unstable moods, and slip into severe depressive states for weeks at a time. Mm. Both her and Brooks were having affairs, and Barbara also had uh, her alcohol addiction was continu continuing at that point. Mm -hmm. In 1946, Barbara became pregnant, and in August of that year gave birth to her son, Anthony Bakeland. The Bakelands toted Tony as a child prodigy and an enchanting, charming kid. When Anthony was eight in 1954, the family would move depending on the season. So they kept the house in New York, but they would travel to Europe in the summer, visiting London, Paris, Zermatt. Don't know where the fuck that is. <laughs> Should have left that out. Uh, Cap d'Antibes, which, which I'm assuming is in France uh, or Switzerland or something, and Italy. Wow. So while this was happening, in fact, let me find out where Zermatt is because uh, that is silly that I don't know where that is. The Met. Spain? It's in, it's in Switzerland. Oh, okay. And the, what was the other one? Cap d'Antibes. If this is, isn't in France. Yes, it's in France. So while this was happening, everywhere they went, they would have, uh, they would rent the apartments. Okay. And they would have lavish parties. And again, extramarital affairs. So they just invite people over to fuck, basically. <laughs> It's like I mean, it, it like what a life. Yeah, it's like the Great Gatsby. <laughs> Sounds that's, all right, that's it? just what it reminds me of. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound too bad. In 1960, oh, also, I read something on Twitter that resonated with me so hard after having <laughs> to crop, like, edit the Patreon episode. Yeah, it said, "You know, you're a podcaster when you can visually identify an um." Yep. I, oh, yeah, yes. I, can, I know what they look like without even listening to it. I'll go, that's an um. I know. That. Sometimes when people are talking to me, I, it just pops up. Like I just see it in my mind when someone yeah. says um. I'm like, oh. You know what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's like big at the top and then it fades down. Yeah. But it's just on its own. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying really hard not to say it. Uh, oh, it's episode. hard. Yeah. It is difficult. 
I want to say it now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to. I was listening to a podcast and this woman was talking about how she was trying not to do that. And she was trying not to say like, like, and um, we do that all over the shop. Like I'm not even. I say so quite a lot. Yeah. She said her producer got her like a shot collar. So that fucking hell, yeah. So that every it was like she's a comedian, so they were doing it as a joke. But dude, she's not Spaniel. I know. <laughs> I know. So they tried it. I wouldn't even and it put was, that on a dog. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. But yeah, they tried it so it that know? she would stop. How does it know? He would just. Oh, the, do they just set it off when she says it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like he doesn't automatically know. Right. Yeah, yeah. God, I <laughs> stop being so stupid. Just stop it. <laughs> Think, Talissa. It's okay. It's okay. You've just so, woken up from a nap. Yeah. Also, today I was supposed to go on a date mm. to uh, Cleveland Open Air Pool, Ooh. which is something I've wanted to do for a long time, but I couldn't find anyone to go with me. But there is this fella that said that he wants to go with me. Yeah. So um, I jokingly said to him, like, I'll drive us there. But I'm going to, for my own safety, I'm going to have to handcuff you to the um, side of the car, like to the handle. Yeah. Both your hands. And he was like, are you serious? I was like, no, I'm not fucking serious. <laughs> <laughs> I will have deodorant to spray you right in the face, though, like <laughs> the side of my the side of my yep. uh, driver's seat. Yeah. Obviously, not going to tell him that. But he doesn't seem like a sex attacker. What? So he why seems... didn't you go? Oh, I didn't go today because I was so hungover. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't written my episode yet. And mm. I was like, I can't, it, it's not going to happen. So I'm going tomorrow. So I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah. But we're going to see each other's nipples on a first date. <laughs> He's a good looking guy though. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't have Although, weird nipples. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> Although in that water, they'll go so small. They'll be unrecognizable. <laughs> they'll just look like, they'll just look like um, push pins. Oh no. <laughs> But I, I'm not really on the, I'm not really on the lookout for a boyfriend at the moment. So my dating life has become a lot easier because I don't, I'm not putting any pressure on myself. Just casual. Yeah, I'm just like, well, I'll see you, and then if I want to fuck you, I'll do that, and then if I don't want to fuck you, I just won't, and I'll never speak to you again. So it's just like whatever. Yeah. Like I'm sort of, I'm sort of on the market for a fuck buddy, but definitely on my terms. Like, don't write in. I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> Or if you are going to write in, then please provide a photo, height, job, um, if you have any children. Aspirations. Do you own your own house? Where do you live? It's a lot. Do you know what I mean? So all that's just, why I'm just... just all truth. No lies. I'll fucking find out and I'll deodorant you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in 1960, whilst having a party in their Paris apartment, Brooks, that, so the husband, met a woman 15 years his junior who was the daughter of an English diplomat and told Barbara that he wanted a divorce to be with his new lover. Mm. She tried to commit suicide and so Brooks ended the affair. Tony at this time revealed that he was gay, but it really didn't fit into the world that his parents had created for him. So this really? is like... I'm shocked. Not, yeah. Sounds like it would be the perfect world for it. Yeah, but um, they're not that cosmopolitan. So it's... <laughs> But still, in 1960, like, you could go to prison for being gay. Yeah, that's in England. true. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's not something that, that they wanted to, like, broadcast. So 
When Anthony was 20 in 1967, the family were living between Sweden and Spain. This was where Anthony met Australian Jake Cooper, who was bisexual. They began a relationship in secret and travelled to Morocco together, where they spent their time experimenting with hallucinogenic drugs. Again, they do sound like they have a bit of a cool life. Yeah. <laughs> just piss off to Morocco I'm just going to fly to like, Morocco for the weekend. I'll see you on Tuesday. This is the 60s as well, so like... Flights aren't cheap. Oh, man. Like, and you can smoke on the plane. You probably get free yeah, drinks. Smoke, smack the air hostess's ass <laughs> way past. Get me some peanuts, toots. Just an endless party for men. It really was. So they began a relationship. Sorry, I've already said that. When his Also, Spain and Morocco are very fucking close to each other. Yeah. So maybe keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, when his mother found out through basically pure gossip. Like, it said through her friend, blah, blah, and I thought, you don't need to know that name. No. Like, it's inco- inconsequential, but it was just gossip going around, like, high society, mm. that she immediately drove to get her son from Morocco. But when she was on her way back with him, he realised that he didn't have his passport on him, and they were stopped and arrested when she kicked up a fuss. What? So she basically went mad and had to be arrested. Oh so gosh. they when they were finally when they were finally released from jail and returned to Spain, Barbara learned to accept Anthony's relationship with Cooper, but she was trying to encourage him to date a young French girl that they knew called Sylvie. Barbara Daly's sister-in-law recalled Barbara saying, "You know, I could get Tony over his homosexuality if I just took him to bed." <laughs> She's talking about her own son. Oh my gosh! To her sister-in-law. Oh no. You think you could make your son stop being gay if you fuck him? Mm. That's not just no. No. So unfortunately, fucked up. Uh, uh, that is fucked up. Um, unfortunately, Sylvie preferred Anthony's dad and then started having an affair with him. No. So Barbara found out in February 1968 and then tried to kill herself again. Brooks decided to divorce her after this, and then she slipped into severe depression and had another suicide attempt but fortunately her friend found her in time and saved her again they named like a 50 starlet who i didn't know okay so anthony is now with the guy with sorry anthony's dad is now with the guy that barbara was trying to set her son up with so that really backfired yeah (laughs) um brooks and young sylvie went on to marry what and had a son of their own oh my gosh They later divorced and then Brooks remarried someone else. He's just been married like 50 times. He's got loads of money. So I think he's just like, fuck it, I don't care. When Barbara found out her son was bisexual, she tried to, in um, air quotes, fix him by hiring sex workers to sleep with him. Okay. After she realized that wasn't working and he still had a sexual interest in men... She allegedly raped him in the summer of 1968 while the pair were living in Mallorca in Spain. Her son's erratic behaviour caused concern amongst family and friends, and over the years, the two had threatening arguments involving knives. This is just... (laughs) What? I'm speechless. Yeah. Yeah. So she is fucking her son for some horrid reason. Mm. In 1969, Barbara met another... He's like 20, so he was 20 in 1967, and this is, 
so he's 21. Oh my gosh, this is so fucked up. So fucked up. In 1969, Barbara met another man who was already married. He was an art curator called Samuel Green, and she started having an affair with him. He broke it off after six weeks, but she had already become obsessed with him and started harassing him to take her back. She walked barefoot across snowy Central Park wearing nothing but a fur coat and demanded to be let into his apartment. She's so crackers. She needs to <laughs> chill the fuck out. Yeah. Anthony and his mother had a dysfunctional relationship. Understatement really? of the year. Really? In yeah, in July nineteen. So in July nineteen seventy two, he. So by this time he is. So he was in nineteen sixty eight. He was twenty one. Twenty five now. Yeah. He tried to kill her, well, 24, because his birthday is in August. So he tried to kill her by throwing her in front of traffic outside their house in Chelsea in London. <laughs> he wasn't, he was apparently, like, quite stupid. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Whoops. But, oh, honestly, the traffic in London, like, isn't speeding past. No. She would have hit the bonnet, he, she would have just hit someone's bonnet and bounced off. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're no way going far. It's not a motorway. That traffic in London is awful. It always has been. Yeah, and it's not like so, the, there's like, it's like a five car lane. It's like one lane going down yeah. cobbled streets. A black cab. Yeah. Yeah, 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 precisely. So that wasn't going to work. No. He he also wasn't a strong man. He was quite like slender. Okay. Uh, and he didn't push her hard enough. And also she had a friend who was stood next to her and dragged her back. He was arrested for attempted murder but his mother refused to press charges. Instead, he was sent to the Priory, which is a famous psychiatric hospital for a short time. It's like okay. a rehab clinic that all the uh, stars go to. Yeah. So like Robbie Williams went there, if you know who that is. Uh, I know who that is, but why don't you tell he's our listeners? From, he's from an English band called Take That, yes. who apparently did not make much of a splash the other side of the pond. <laughs> they <laughs> so did I not. Hear. Robbie Williams, I, I'm so glad I never have to listen to him on the radio or anything because he just annoyed oh, the so shit, shit out his, of me when I lived in oh, England. Oh, his career. Yeah. His his uh, his solo career was Ugh. unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> like, at best. It really was. <laughs> he, did, he did a song with fucking Kylie Minogue, like, and then I go and spoil it all by saying... Yeah. Well, that was Nicole Kidman, yeah. wasn't it? Not yeah. Kylie Minogue. Yeah. What the fuck was that? <laughs> How did those two start knocking around that, together? I mean, that's actually like not a bad song because it's a cover. It's like an old song, but like all of his the songs song was already that, good. Yeah, like, all of his original songs are just toilet worthy. <laughs> they are absolute bog roll. <laughs> they really are. Robbie Williams slammed. So, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> no wonder he was at the Priory, because he probably couldn't handle his own music. No, I know. No wonder his, no wonder his songs are so shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> when he came out, oh, we're going to get fucking Robbie Williams hate mail. Oh, no. Robbie oh, Williams no. hate I mail. I want it. I want it. <laughs> I want it. Please tell us why. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he came out, he probably, do you know what? He'll probably message us. <laughs> like, he's that fucking small fry now. Yeah. Who mentioned me? <laughs> He's probably got like a Google alert set up. <laughs> so I can imagine him just sat there crying. <laughs> why, why, why are we being so mean to him? Um, when he came, when Anthony came out of the Priory, 
he was treated at home by a psychiatrist okay. who was severely concerned and literally said to Barbara, I think he could end up murdering someone. Oh, no. And should be hospitalised. But his mother dismissed his concerns. Mm. Also, uh, I failed to mention that when he was younger, his father didn't want him to go to a psychiatrist, even though he was showing signs of schizophrenia and depression, um, because he didn't think that psychiatrists were real, basically. Oh, yeah. So... That's not going to that help. didn't help. No. That didn't help at all. Yeah. So this was not nipped in the bud. Nope. Um, in any way. Just two weeks later, on the 17th of November at 1pm, Barbara left her house to have lunch with her friend, Missy Harnden, who is a Russian princess Ooh. who lived nearby in Chelsea. Like, she knocks about with really famous people. Like, the rich and famous. Even though she's insane. So- she, well, yeah, but so was like Ghislaine Maxwell, apparently. Like, it's eccentric, isn't it? I think is the word. Yeah, like In she was probably like a lot of fun. Royalty. She was probably very yeah. entertaining. Like, apparently, oh God, excuse me, I'm so sorry for yawning. Um, okay. Apparently, Ghislaine Maxwell had a, a dinner party that. Um, I can't remember. Catherine Oxenberg, you know, India Oxenberg, who was in Nexium, yep. the mm-hmm. cult. Yeah. Catherine Oxenberg was on a podcast about the Maxwells and said that she went to a, it was either a dinner party or like a lunch, and Ghislaine Maxwell was stood in a, sat there in her underwear for the whole thing. What? And she was like, "This is so fucking weird." But yeah, <laughs> like she would she would do like weird she'd do weird stuff like that. So she was a nutbag. Like, I just completely. like I like hearing people at that level just saying that that was weird. Because if, I know, thank God you realize. Yeah, if you or I went to something like that, we'd be like, "Is this normal in the in the million <laughs> in the, the million billion dollar world?" Oh, so if you're the host, you just wear underwear. Like, yeah, like I guess this happens all the time. But when someone's like know, at that like... level and is like, "Yeah, that was weird," then you're like, "Okay, good. Uh, you're there's okay. That is yeah. weird. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not just poor. Yeah, I'm not just <laughs> a poor normie." Yeah, um, I would be like Grandpa Simpson when he goes to that strip club that Bart's on the door and just like walk in and be like, what to do? Walk straight out again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so at 3.30pm, at 3 uh, Barbara left thanking her friend for the marvellous lunch mm. and mentioning that her son Tony was cooking dinner for her that evening. At 7pm, Missy Harden, the Russian princess, received a phone call it was Chelsea Police Station inquiring as to when Barbara had arrived and left that afternoon. Oh. They wouldn't say why, but a few seconds later, she was asked, how well did you know the deceased? <gasps> Too shocked to answer, she handed the phone to her son, and he learned that Barbara Bakeland had been murdered. Oh, no. The night before her death at a cocktail party, Missy had noticed Tony staring in space in what she described as a strange, bright-eyed way. She'd wanted to tell Barbara during their lunch that she thought something was off with Tony, but as usual, Barbara was talking endlessly about him and how wonderful he was and how much he loved London and how everything that in their lives was so happy. And Missy couldn't bring herself to say anything. Mm. Also, we fuck all the time, so <laughs> just pop that in there. Yeah. Um, uh, earlier that day, so he's like my son and my boyfriend, so I really, really love him. <laughs> earlier, yeah, gross. Earlier that day, 25-year-old 
Anthony had approached his mother in the kitchen and stabbed her. She was 51 years old and died nearly instantly. Wow. So according to Tony's subsequent confession, one of his mother's friends, so this is this is what he said happened. Mm-hmm. One of his mother's friends had phoned while she was out and had, had invited her around that evening. Barbara apparently didn't want to see the friend and so an argument had started during which the maid became so frightened by Tony's demeanor that she she just fucking got the hell out of there. So Yo- I think no- she noped out. Yeah, she noped right out of there and I do not blame <laughs> her. So I think I think what happened was because she said that Tony was supposed to be cooking her dinner and then her friend said, come around for dinner. And I bet Tony was probably like, go on then. Yeah. And she was like, no, you said you were doing it. Yeah, so I think that's probably what the argument was. We're supposed to have an, a romantic evening. He's like, get out and don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. So he said, and I quote, I think my mind was slightly wacky and I was very much under my mother's powerful influence. He said later, I felt like she was controlling my mind. I believe she it. She probably was, let's be honest. Yeah. His recollections were confused, but he remembered hitting Barbara and her running into the kitchen. Following her, he picked up a knife from the kitchen table and stabbed her with it. She fell to the floor and he called an ambulance. It took hours to come and by the time it did, my mother was dead. He said, it was horrible. I held her hand and she would not look at, look at me or speak to me and then she died. The paramedics alerted the police who arrived to find Barbara lying on her back in the kitchen with a single stab wound near her heart. Wow. The knife had severed, had severed, had severed. They are spelt the same way. Yeah. Uh, the knife had, in my defense, the knife had severed a main artery. Um, as for Tony, he was on the phone in his bedroom ordering a Chinese takeaway. Oh, okay. So. Still, uh, still didn't that make that dinner. So had to eat yeah. at some point. Yeah, exactly. He's like, can't use the kitchen now. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So he appeared completely unconcerned. They had a they had a Siamese cat called Mr. Wuss. Oh, so cute! I love Siamese cats. Yeah, they're great. They are great. Although um, on Peep Show, uh, Mark gets Dobby a cat to try and like seduce her into oh, moving yeah. in, and he gets it, and it, and she she looks at it, and she goes. Is that a Siamese? He goes, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. She goes, oh, I don't like them. And then she just grabs a magazine and opens it and goes, they're a bit horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so like all the time now, me and Carly, if we don't like something, we go, don't like that. It's a bit horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Good old Dobby. Good old Dobby. Mm-hmm. As... Tony was taken to the Chelsea police station. He maintained that Barbara had been stabbed by her mother, Nina Daly, who was in her 80s and thousands of miles away in New York. Okay. So he is clearly crackers. Yeah. He also remarked to the detective who arrested him that, in quotes, it all started when I was three or five and I fell off my pogo stick. So maybe there was a head injury there. That's That's a bit of true crime bingo. Yeah. I was I was waiting for more, but I guess that was it. Nope, that's all he had to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> I bet the detective was like, "Fine." Yeah. Um, when friends visit, visited him in Brixton Prison, he asked, "How is my mother? Is she well?" Later, feeling clearer in the nog, as in <laughs> noggin. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it shortened to nog. No. And accepting that his mother was dead, Tony spoke of feeling a great weight has been lifted from my shoulders. 
Okay. One friend suggested that, yeah. And can you blame him if she's raping him? Yeah. Like, if it happened the other way around and a girl had been raped by her father and she killed him, you would just be like, good. Yep. So, yeah. It's hard not to be that way the other way around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it sounds like it was just a very manipulative relationship. I just feel bad for him. I don't, th- I don't like have any. Also, he's clearly mentally unwell. Yeah, definitely. Clearly. Also, you know what I just realized? This is a little bit off subject, but I Go know on. we talk a lot about people getting hit in the head when they're kids. Yeah. But don't you think every child hits their head at some point in their life oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. really really hard like, <laughs> yeah. I, re- <laughs> I remember um we were painting my uncle martin's kitchen and i got up and i wasn't expecting the cupboard door above me to be open oh so i like I, you know when you're not expecting it yep. whatsoever yep. so you just you're not holding back at all yep i got up at full speed and just went smack on the back of the door i'm not joking i started crying immediately oh, it was man. so much i'm sure like, I've, yeah. I've done that throughout my life several times i know it <laughs> skulls are thick for a reason yes <laughs> they really are yeah, but you so, know, we we mentioned earlier, like we both have scars on our heads. Like I got smacked in the head by a kid who was waving around a like a heavy stick, <laughs> and I think I got Mine knocked was just out. Just cigarette burns, so yeah. it's just superficial. <laughs> well, like, yeah, that I was my head injury. Put out my auntie on a cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you know, my sister-in-law technically like my brother's girlfriend Haley, yeah has to fill in a thing at nursery and say where every bruise has come from on your kid oh, how guess... fucking ridiculous is that i mean that's tough I but think that's really i get stupid. it stupid like but how do you even know kids fucking hit themselves all the time no having a lot of siblings like there's it's one thing having like brothers and they have like bruises on their legs or whatever from like you know kicking stuff around or whatever or... yeah yeah but like bruises aren't that uh like kids are kids skin is like so bouncy like it it takes a lot <laughs> for <laughs> it takes a lot for like a bruise to happen and to stay you know so i'm just like social services are so nosy these days and you're just like <laughs> no there's a reason very good reason for it which is child abuse yeah <laughs> Yeah, like, I get whatever. it. It's a lot. It's a lot to like, I'm sure, especially if you have boys, but, oh, and if you're a good parent, it's probably like an annoying thing, but I totally get that. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Again, <laughs> probably shouldn't have kids. Uh, so <laughs> one, one friend suggested that he killed Barbara after she threw out of the window the collar of a long dead pet Pekingese dog, which he kept as a, a memento since his childhood. I mean, that is so, mean. That is mean. Yeah, she done that just to if she done that just to upset him. Yeah, I don't think it warrants a stabbing. No, but it's probably not. But it's not really about the collar, is it? No, <laughs> that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That was so, the tip of on, the iceberg. Yeah, right now that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You've thrown out Chi Chi's collar. All <laughs> you right. You are dead. I've had enough. Where's the knife? Yeah. 
So on the 6th of June, 1973, his trial started at the Old Bailey, which is like the biggest, oldest court in London. Mm-hmm. Witnesses said that they had heard rumours of an incestuous relationship between Anthony and his mother and that Barbara had been trying to cure, in quotes, her son of sexual what? preferences. What? Also, like, saying that is your motive, I don't believe. I think you just wanted to fuck him. She sounds so messed up, though. Like, it, it's probably a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Oh, I keep mentioning TV shows, right? But you know my favorite TV show, Bottom. Yeah. <laughs> they try and like talk. They try and like chat some girls up at the pub, and um, he go. He's trying to talk to her. And then she goes, "Look, I'm really not interested." Besides which, we're lesbians. And he goes, and then he goes. This was made a long time ago. Keep that in mind. Yeah. He goes. It's it's not your fault that you're lesbians. <laughs> Look, come back to my place, and I'll cure you. No. Such a cunt. Yeah. That's totally something a guy would, a sleazy guy would say. I know. It's really funny. (laughs) I would suggest watching Bottom if you want to know what British humor is like. Yeah. So his defense argued that he was not guilty through diminished responsibility, which was successful, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, So basically, he was charged, charged with murder, but he said, I'm not guilty of murder because I'm mad. So he was found guilty of the lesser charge of manslaughter. Okay. So that's uh, what happened there. And then he got sent to... Broadmoor. Broadmoor! There we go. There she is again. That's where they all go. Uh, And he stayed there until 1980. Wow. At the age of 33, he was considered sane and released. What? Because it's... Well, it's an indefinite... It's an indefinite stay until they cure you or they get you on the right medication. Wait, or so was he released? They feel you're not a danger. Was he released into the public or was he released back to a normal prison? It's only been like eight years. No, he was released to a family member. Oh, wow. So when he left Broadmoor, he went to live with his maternal grandmother. I wouldn't think that's a good idea. No. <laughs> stay away from that side of the family. <laughs> completely just all so over go, again go and stay with your rich dad yeah who you're not gonna stab like, he sounds like an asshole so, too though he probably has a lot of history there he's like nope not going to dad well i mean like how can you say that some that psychiatry doesn't work and someone's not mad when yeah. they are quite literally diagnosed as schizophrenic yeah but it's just like like really weird conspiracy theorists and stuff like i don't know i think it is deny something that's so obvious it is like a very old-fashioned like oh i don't you know i don't believe in therapy or psychiatry i feel what i well, feel that's what, i know what i know that's what fucking scientologists do don't they yeah they don't like psychology i think it's just pretty uh, misogynistic because it's just putting down like think? the validity of your emotions yeah, it's saying you should be emotionless, I guess, which is supposedly a male trait, more of Masculine. a male trait to be stoic, to be stoic, right? Like, right? Yeah, uh, you know, with the whole like and the whole hysterical thing, and yeah, exactly. So when he left Broadmoor, he went to live with his maternal grandmother Nina Daly, who was eighty-seven in New York. I mean, what can she that do? Is a really, frail old lady. Yeah, <laughs> he's. That's probably where he so, felt the safest. Like no one's gonna hurt me now. 
No. Uh, at 9am on Sunday, July 27th, just six days after his release from Broadmoor, Nina Daly's nurse, Lena Richards, arrived at the apartment to begin her day shift. So she's so old that she has a nurse come and visit her. Mm. So she's pre- pretty, you know, yeah. old. And then she she had been asked to lend her key to Tony while he was staying there. So she had to wait for him to let her in. But there was no reply when she rang the bell. Eventually, Tony came to the door wearing only a pair of shorts. Lena, get the ambulance, he shouted. I've just stabbed my grandmother. Oh, no. Why? So she ran So she ran to a nearby phone box and called the police. And they entered the apartment and they heard Nina Daly shrieking with terror and saw Tony rushing out of the bedroom towards them. She won't die. The knife won't go in. And she keeps <gasps> screaming, I can't understand it. He shouted as they as they grabbed him. The police found his grandmother lying against the wall in the corner of her bedroom with blood soaking through her nightgown. She had been stabbed eight times and had multiple other injuries, included, including a fractured collarbone and ribs. While they waited for an ambulance to arrive, Tony was taken to the local police station. He later explained that he felt like he wanted to have sex with his grandmother, just as he had with his mother. Oh, no. And that was the underlying cause of his frustration. But the trigger for the attack was that she had tried to stop him making a phone call to England. Oh, man. So confused. Do you know what I mean? Well. Confusing feelings. Like your family well, your are mom people and, you're supposed to fuck. Yeah. And your mom and your grandma. Line, like no matter how unsimilar they are, they're still going to look similar. He probably just got triggered and like, uh, yeah, I understand that he went there probably to feel safer, but they shouldn't have let him. No, definitely not. But anyway, fucking lived. She did? Yeah. He broke her bones. He he fractured her collarbone and her ribs and he stabbed her eight times and she still lived. Well done. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. So... (sighs) I mean, fuck me. That's impressive. Yeah. So he, when she said he couldn't make a phone call to England from New York, yeah, which in the eighties probably cost a shitload of money, right? She's, she's like, she's like cheap grandma. <laughs> um, he'd thrown the phone out of her head and it knocked her to the floor. Realizing that he'd injured her, he apparently decided that it would be kindest to put her out of her misery. Oh no! So he began attacking her with a kitchen knife, but she wouldn't die. I hate it when this happens, he told the police. Miraculously, every blow had struck a bone and his grandmother survived. Wow. So he hadn't managed to get any fleshy bits. Yeah, no major arteries or anything. Organs, yeah. Tony was charged with attempted murder and sent to Rikers Island, New York. Which is a real, real prison. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not Broadmoor. Right. So... By then, he had come into his trust fund and other prisoners quickly began preying on him for money. Within a few months, he had given away almost £20,000, some of it as protection money and some as gifts to those with whom he had began relationships, including, it was said, one of the male guards and an inmate who had raped and decapitated a young boy. This story is insane. I know. I didn't make it up. It is real. (laughs) That'd be so I funny if you were like, up. "No, I just wrote it last night. I just it's all made yeah, up." No, I, I couldn't find a story, so I just made some shit up. Yeah. No, I didn't. You couldn't though. He you couldn't was... make this up. 
I wouldn't have thought, right, so he got he went to prison, then he got a trust fund, then he started fucking one of the guards, then mm. he started fucking some guy who raped and decapitated a young boy. Like, I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't go through my head. No. <laughs> I wouldn't go, he stabbed his grandma because he wanted to fuck her. I wouldn't even think of that. No. <laughs> so, he wouldn't let her make a, kept... she wouldn't let him make a phone call, so he just he went nuts. Can you imagine? <laughs> Just be like, Jesus, just make the call then. <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead. Normally I wait till after six when it's cheaper, but go ahead. <laughs> if it means that much to you, that you're going to fucking hurl a phone at my head. Yeah. Like, geez, Tony. <laughs> so he was kept there for eight months and assessed by a psychologist. He was due to be released on bail on March the 20th, 1981. No. I don't think that's a good just idea. Keep him but where he's I'm at. I would argue that this is America. Um, does money have anything to do with it? If he's got a very good lawyer. And it's the 80s, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yep. In the 80s is when they were taking mental health seriously. And then President Ronald Reagan uh, like slashed the budget for like mental health in half. So... They right. had to close down all the- back on the street. Yeah, basically, yeah. They had to close down a lot of okay. like facilities and stuff like that. So and that's why we're here today, because of Yeah. That. Um anyways. Fucking Reagan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reagan hate mail. So <laughs> I welcome it. I I get that from family, so mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was due to be released on bail on March the 20th, 1981, but this was delayed as the judge needed some more of his medical records. So I guess the judge was like, maybe, maybe not. I really need yeah. to look into this a bit further. Let's wait a so, little bit uh, before we jump our guns. There's really no need to be hasty. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't going nowhere. So at, at 4 p.m. that same day, police found him in his cell dead. He'd suffocated himself with a plastic bag. Brooks, but like, Bakeland, his dad, believed that his son had been murdered, perhaps because he had been threatened, perhaps because he had threatened to reveal his relationship with the guard, or refused to hand over money to one of the more dangerous and violent inmates. Uh, look who just so, popped so up debated. to say that it was murder. Where's he yeah. been this whole time? Like, thanks a lot, dad. Thanks for your two pence. Yeah. <laughs> Could have used you when, when mum was trying to fuck me, but you were too busy right. with Sylvia. Um, so in an epitaph, in an epitaph written by Brooks Bakeland, he called his son an enormous failure of intelligence. He sounds nice. Yeah. Later, the tumultuous relationship between Barbara Daly Bakeland and her son would be captured in a film called Savage Grace, which has got Julianne Moore in it and um, the guy who plays Stephen Hawking in that film, Eddie Redgrave. Oh, Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I've looked up the pictures of the son and the mum. The son is gorgeous. Oh. Like, he's beautiful. I mean, Eddie Redmayne he's... is. I don't think he is. He's a bit of a weasel. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's not the point. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne hate mail. So, look, <laughs> just look look up the pic. Well, I'll put the pictures up on the Instagram. But yeah, yeah. that is the story of Anthony Bakeland. Wow insane you literally couldn't make this stuff up like maybe one element can you hear the fruit man squeezing his can you hear it no squeezing his what (laughs) 
it's like a, it's like one of those clown honking things. Why did why has the fruit man got that? Because he's oh, like tell you like come out and buy fruit. Yeah, kind of like the ice cream man. Like you know how the ice cream man the most has... annoying version of the ice cream man ever because it sounds annoying and the product is shit. <laughs> It really is like when you're sitting outside and and you're just enjoying the day and then all of a sudden you hear what an annoying noise. Like a uh, Venezuela that became popular during the um World Cup. Oh they yeah. Just go, <laughs> like <laughs> really annoying noise. Yeah. Really annoying. It's great to get fresh fruit, but I don't need to hear that every day. Can't you just shout fresh fruit? <laughs> I suppose he doesn't want to get hoarse. Yeah, he doesn't want to lose his voice every day. Because in England, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a market stall in England. Yeah. But they, the market stall people, they go, they're always really cockney. And yeah. They always go, fresh fruit, free for a pound. Yeah. <laughs> All day. I love it. <laughs> they're like, four bags of cherries, come on, <laughs> beautiful, pick them up. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's so charming. But it does get a little bit because they're sometimes they're a bit cheeky and say stuff like if you walk past and you've got big tits, they're like, melons, get your melons. <laughs> and like you look at them and you're like, fuck you. <laughs> oh man. Are you... the... I can hear the noise. You can it's hear constant. It. Yeah. It's like, bip, 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 bip. it's not like just a double, not like a burp, like fruit. <laughs> not like, <laughs> like when a yeah. clown pinches his nose. <laughs> Well, he doesn't want you to think he's a clown man. He <laughs> knows <laughs> um, the fruit man. Yeah. Oh, the joys of California living and English living. Well, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, I've got okay. a pretty um, long story, so strap in. I'm ready. I am ready. Okay. My story this week is about John List. <gasps> I love this story. Yeah. Yep. It's so good. Yeah. There was just so yeah, much. Like last week's as well, there was just so much to include. Yeah. I don't even know. I'll try and, like, if I remember things as well, then I'll try and say them. Anyways. All right. Again, let's get this into is a, it. This is a story that, you, that you, you just couldn't make up. Yeah. It's insane. It's another insane, but in a different way than yours, from yours. Yeah. You don't know who, you don't know who you're sleeping next to. Yep. Okay. John List. Uh, okay, John List. John List was born in Bay City, Michigan on September 17th, 1925. List was the only child of German-American parents, John Frederick List and Alma Barbara Florence List. By the way, you know how we were talking about baby names last week? Yeah. I like the name Florence. Yeah, it's lovely. It was very popular when Florence and the Machine came out. Mm, yeah, that's so true. So my... My very good friends that live in Australia have a little girl called Flory. Aww. And, or, yeah, or sometimes we call her Flo. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it became very popular after that band. Oh, um, I didn't even think about emerged. that. That's cute. Okay. List was raised in a devout Lutheran family, and his father was a Sunday school teacher. As soon as List turned 18... Also, I couldn't find anything about his childhood. Probably because it's pretty boring. Yeah. There's got to be something there with what happened later on. Definitely. So as soon as List turned 18, he enlisted in the U.S. Army and served as a laboratory technician during World War II. After three years, he was... Oh, my gosh. That's on the... 
The fucking fruit man again. Yeah. No one wants your fruit, buddy. Piss off. But I guess that's uh, that's on the bingo card as well, isn't it? The um, being in the army. Yeah, military. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he hit his head at some point. Mm. After three years, he was discharged, and in 1946, List enrolled at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, where he earned a bachelor's degree in business admin and a master's degree in accounting. Same as last week's guy. Murderers. All murderers. Yep. My husband's an accountant. Anyone who does business studies. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) Fuck! (laughs) I totally get the rage because yeah sleep with one eye open (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh list re-enlists okay list re-enlisted in november 1950 to join the korean war uh there he met helen morris taylor at fort usis virginia that year uh she was the widow of an officer killed in action in korea and she lived nearby with her daughter brenda uh, they married each other a year later in December 1951. Mm. Short relationship. Who the hell re-enlists as well? Like, I think the Korean War you were drafted. War? You were drafted oh, for the fuck. Korean War. Yeah, my grandpa was in it. That's, night- that's nightmarish. Yeah. After finishing his second tour in the military in 1952, he and Helen settled down in Kalamazoo, Michigan, not far from where List grew up. List worked as an accountant at various businesses while Helen Helen raised their three children, Patricia, John Jr., and Frederick. I like Frederick. Mm -hmm. That's a cute name, too. Freddy is a cute name, yeah. Yeah. List joined the the Lutheran church and would take his children to Sunday service every weekend. Helen, on the other hand, was falling further into alcoholism. According to neighbors and friends, she would belittle John in public often comparing him to her late husband, who she called a hero. She would call him at work and demand he come home and help with the children. He would always comply without complaint. Aw, that's nice. Oh. But apparently she nice. would, yeah, apparently she would uh, be like, oh, the baby needs changing. I don't want to do it. Can you come what? home and do it? Yeah. And he, he would just do it. He must have lived far. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, she also did not attend. She. I can't read today. She did not attend church service with List, and the children and John grew increasingly frustrated by this. So, he was very religious, and he was always trying to get her to go to church. And yeah, he was also worried about the kids. Like he was like. I want them to remain religious. And if one of their parents isn't, then how can I expect that influence? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, he's just getting frustrated and Helen is just complaining the whole time. So he attempted to help. I didn't know about any of this. Oh, really? I thought, I I thought it was like plain sailing and then. No, not at all. The bad stuff happened. Yeah. But I also, you know when you read articles and they focus more on like the woman being the nagging person rather than yeah. the man uh, killing someone his... for yeah. not a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> so there was quite a lot of information about Helen and how she was an alcoholic, but I 
I don't know if that was more like, oh, this is what instigated him to do it. Even though in you'll see later on that it was, but it was I. I he also you know, had his own reasons, right? Yeah, exactly. He, he did. He was an adult. He made his own choices. Yeah, it's called divorce. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a, it's called leave your wife. It'll be fine. Yeah. So he attempted to like help better the situation financially, hoping that with better means, Helen would be happier. He accepted a job first in Rochester, New York, and then a better job in New York City. In 1965, List moved his family to the affluent town of Westfield, 15 miles outside of New York City. Helen had apparently zeroed in on a home that was well above their means, a 19-room Victorian mansion called Breeze <gasps> Knoll. It was on wow. Yeah, it was on Hillside Avenue near Lawrence in one of the most exclusive exclusive areas of Westfield. List agreed to the $100,000 mortgage and moved his family in along with his 80-year-old mother, Alma. Who needs 19 rooms? Not this family, but apparently Helen was like dead set on it. Okay. And I think he was too. I think he was very... uh, Like showy maybe? Yeah. He wasn't showy. He just... Image was very important to him. He was always dressed in a suit. Um, yeah. He always made sure his children were dressed and, up yeah. and, uh, you know, Quite went to smart. church every Sunday. Over the course of the next few years, the family maintained a Rockwell-esque image on the outside, but on the inside, their family life was growing increasingly volatile. Helen had by now become a heavy drinker and was diagnosed with a brain disease, cerebral oh, atrophy. Yeah. Uh, she began taking tranquilizers on top of drinking and became a virtual recluse. Their oldest child, Patricia, dreamt of becoming an actress and began to rebel, staying out late with her drama group and smoking weed. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds tame. You know, your drama group are full of a bunch of nobody's going to do anything bad. Oh, dude, they're smoking parsley at best. Yeah. Like, <laughs> have you seen they're that? They're smoking one joint between twelve of them. Oh my gosh, they found some weeds. Off their parents. Yeah, exactly. They found some weeds in the back of the shop and thought it was real marijuana. But they're not exactly bonging it up. I doubt. No, like. <laughs> and they're—it's not like they're causing trouble either. They're a drama group. Have you seen um, Ladybird? Uh, yeah the drama group in that that is what i'm like picturing yes very much so yes just like a bunch of 16 year olds who take acting very seriously extremely seriously yeah so she's doing that list himself was having trouble keeping his job he lost it and attempted to start his own business however he was never in the office most days staying home and reading books outside he took out a second mortgage, but failing to pay it on his own, he drained his mother's bank account of $200,000. He was known to grow and increasingly did she know about angry. That or? Um, he first borrowed it from her, but it sounds like he had access to it. Yeah, like no intention of paying it back anyway. Yeah. Like he just he at first he borrowed it. He far, he borrowed 10 grand and then I think he just would just start taking it without asking her. Yeah. He was also known to grow increasingly angry, often taking out his rage on his teenage children 
who grew terrified of him. Aww. And Patricia, she had even told her drama teacher, like, if something happens to me, it's because I got murdered. <laughs> and she was like, don't be so dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what, like, when I was reading it, it was like, and the drama teacher just didn't think anything of it. Nope. <laughs> uh, oh, she, didn't, she was all high. Yeah. There's <laughs> Patty again, just being her drama self. Yeah, exactly. If I don't make it, send my widow a corsage. <laughs> okay, so in late October 1971, List began telling friends and colleagues that he and his family had an upcoming vacation. He stopped the milk, mail, and newspaper deliveries. He wrote notes to the children's schools and part-time jobs that the family were planning to visit their maternal grandmother in North Carolina, who was actually sick. And they interviewed her later. And I mean, and when they talked to him later, he said that if she was there, then she would have been part of what's about to happen. Like she would have died. Oh, God. Yeah. So, here comes the horrible part. On November 9th, 1971, List took his 9mm semi-automatic handgun and his father's twenty-two revolver and first went to Helen, who had just had her breakfast. He shot her in the back of the head. She was 46 years old. Cool. He next went went to the attic where his 85-year-old mother was. There was like an attic apartment. Obviously, there's yeah. 19 rooms, so there's room for his... Fuck me, his, yeah. Yeah. Also, we've been watching a lot of Sopranos, so I keep imagining Tony Soprano's yes! mom when they talk about uh, John List's mother. I just ima- I just keep like, picturing Livia. her. Yeah. Yeah. It's a retirement community! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just watched... Watch the Sopranos. Yeah, we just watched the season one finale and i mean if you haven't watched it by now just it's been speed- out like 20 years yeah but just like speed forward 15 seconds but it's the yeah. part where he goes to the hospital and they're taking her away and he yeah. like knows that she was a part of everything and he's like yeah. she's smiling she's smiling you know that I part know. <laughs> And she is smiling. Yeah, yeah. She is, yeah. She is smiling. Um, She's so creepy, Livia. She is. She's so good. When I watched it, she kept saying, like, one of the things that she says in it, and then Tony repeats it, and Anthony repeats it, like, loads of people say it throughout the whole series. Yeah. Even Carmela says it, I think. She says, it's all a big nothing. (laughs) Like... And it got, it really started to get to me. Like, I got really depressed. Really? Like, thinking about it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they they all say it, like, separately. At some point, they all be like, even Chris says it. Like, everyone says it. They all go, oh, it's wow. just all a big nothing. I'm going to notice yeah, that now, now every now. time they say it. Yeah. Well, mm. I've watched it five times through, so I notice <laughs> stuff like that now. <laughs> like, yeah. But anyways, that's who I picture when we're talking about Tony List's uh, mother, 85-year-old mother. Yeah. Alma. Yeah. Who they said was, like, overprotective. So I don't know if that that was, like, she was, like, motherly and loving or if she was Code overbearing. Code overbearing weirdo. Yeah. yeah. But I don't want... I want to give her the benefit of the doubt because she's the victim in this story or she's one of them. Yeah. 
Um, so he next went to her attic apartment and he shot her above her left eye. Then... Oh, God. Yeah. When 16-year-old Patricia and 13-year-old Frederick arrived home, he shot both of them in the head. He next made himself lunch and then drove to the bank where he closed his and his mother's bank accounts. So freakishly, like, automated. Just removed. Yeah. All the stuff he's doing is like, dum-de-dum. Yep. Just running errands. Next on the list. Tip. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, uh, weird. He then drove to Westfield High School to watch his elder son, John Jr., who was 15, play in a soccer game. After driving John Jr. home, List shot him repeatedly because, as misfire evidence showed, his son attempted to defend himself. Fuck. Really sad. So that didn't go that didn't go as planned, I'm suspecting. Yeah, he probably got home and was like, what the hell? And then tried to get out. Yeah, well, well maybe he saw his dead mum in the kitchen, like... Right, exactly. Um, okay. Yeah. So... Murder over. List put his wife and children's bodies each in a sleeping bag, like one sleeping bag each, and left them in the ballroom with towels over their faces. Apparently they had like this amazing ballroom with like a Tiffany crystal ceiling. Yeah, I know. I've heard about that. And I've it's made me want to look again at the pictures of the house because apparently the house is beautiful. Um, well, it, it burned down like a year or two after this. So, I don't know how many pictures exist. That's annoying. Yeah, it's really annoying. Uh, And then they rebuilt it, and then uh, I read a couple articles about how everyone was, like, really weary to live in that neighborhood again. Well, yeah, it's a murder house. Yeah. I don't think it would bother me, but I can understand why it bothers some people. Yeah, it would be creepy, but if the house is reasonably priced, then sure, why not? (laughs) (laughs) a tiffany ballroom at a discount price you just have to live with the fact that there's been cadavers all over the shop (laughs) right here 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 yeah um so he cleaned up the murder scene and turned on a religious radio station locked up the house and left the lights on and drove away you hypocritical fuck just wait you hypocritical you hypocritical fuck yeah like god's okay with this is he well You'll we'll get into that more. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the bodies were not discovered for several weeks due to the family's reclusive habits, and many had assumed that the family had gone to North Carolina. Neighbors and did cancel all his milk and shit, didn't they? So they haven't right. got the milkman or the newspaper man like visiting. Yeah, nothing's piling up at the door. No. Um, neighbors did call for a welfare check when they noticed that lights in the home stayed on throughout the night and no noticeable activity. Police knocked on the door, but they didn't find anything suspicious, so they left. It wasn't until Patricia's drama coach became worried by her extended absence and went by the house. He was probably oh, like... fuck. She was like, shit, why didn't I believe her? <laughs> it was a guy, and yeah, I think that's probably how he felt. And he was like, maybe I should have yeah. listened. Oh, man. Um, I feel so bad. Yeah. After knocking on the door and looking in the windows, as well as calling Patricia's name but getting no answer, the police were called to perform a second welfare check. This time, they broke into the home through an unlocked window in the basement, and on December 7th, a month after the murders, 
the police found the bodies of Helen and the children laying in the ballroom. At least it was cold, so they wouldn't have been like completely just yeah disintegrated. I mean, I'm sure it still smelled bad, but also just yeah. the, the religious radio station on. And the towels over their faces. Oh my like, gosh. Ugh, creepiest shit ever. Terrifying. That is, that is horror movie haunting. Yes, like, it is. So obviously, investigation began immediately. List blue Chevrolet Impala was located at JFK Airport in long-term parking. Uh, the voucher was dated November 10th. He was not listed as having taken a flight, but his passport was missing from the house. All reliable photographs of List had been destroyed, as he had ripped his face out of every family photo in the house. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you sneaky bastard. Yeah, so they couldn't even like put out his picture to say, do you know this man? And it's not like in this- Oh my God. 1971, there's no, you, like one Facebook? picture is one picture. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have yeah. your digital copies or anything like that. Um, he did, however, leave a long note for his pastor in his study. So Aww. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Okay. It's kind of a lot. So I had to cut a lot down, but here it is. Yeah. Dear pastor. Well, he's fucking white bloke rambling on about oh. how he did something that he shouldn't have done. So I'm <laughs> sure it's very fucking... <laughs> Excuses, yeah. everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Pastor Rohinkle, Rohinkle, whatever. Dear Pastor, I am sorry cool to man. add. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to add this additional burden to your work. That's an understatement. <laughs> um. I guess I could tack this it's, little it's burden okay. on. Yeah. Dude, it's not like help me change a tire. It's no I've murdered by her entire family, and it's, how's any of the pastor's business? Yeah, I mean, it's not like asking. Normally, you ask someone to like pray for you, like, "Hey, can you pray for my sick grandma or whatever?" That's the, yeah. the burden that he's probably talking about. Um, Fuck. I know that what has been done is wrong from all that I have been taught, and that any reasons that I might give will not make it right. But you are the one person that I know that while not condoning this, at least possibly understand why I felt I had to uh, do this. No, don't mm. put that on me. No, sorry. I don't get no, it, I don't. dude. <laughs> don't no, I don't. Who you think I am? Like, oh, Pastor Rumpelstiltskin does not think that. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes on to like number, like list. So he goes, number one. I wasn't earning anywhere near enough to support us. Everything I tried seemed to fall to pieces. True, we could have gone bankrupt and maybe gone on welfare. Two, that brings me to my next point. Knowing the type of location that one would have to live in, plus the environment for the children, plus the effect on them knowing they were on welfare, was just more than I thought they could and should endure. I know they were willing oh. to cut back, but this involved a lot more than that. Fuck me. You didn't want your kids to go to public school. That's what you're saying. I'd rather be dead <laughs> than go to public school. <laughs> I don't think that's what they would have said. No. I think they would have gone, thanks for not shooting me in the head, Dad. Right. Um, you're terrifying me, Dad. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. 
Yeah. Three. One, I couldn't afford it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One, I have a big ego. Two, I have a big ego. Three. <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm scum. Yeah. <laughs> So three, with Pat being so determined to get into acting, I was also fearful as to what might that do to her continuing to be a Christian. I'm sure it wouldn't have helped. Uh, Four. Uh, okay. Uh. Four. Also, with Helen not going to church, I knew that this would harm the children eventually in their attendance. I had continued to hope that she would begin to come to church soon. But when I mentioned to her that Mr. Jutz, I don't know who that is, wanted to pay her an elder's call, she just blew Priest up. Priest probably doesn't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who? Yeah. She just blew up and said she wanted her name taken off the church rolls. Again, this could only have an adverse result for the children's continued attendance. So, yeah, do you know what? Do you know what is adverse to their attendance? A bullet in the fucking head. Oh, yep. Give them a chance. Jeez Louise. <laughs> so one and two, ego. Three and four, wanting control of human children. Every and, aspect, yeah. yeah, of their lives. Yeah. Uh, no so one was you, doing what I told them to. Right. Basically, that's four. Or I could see it. It wasn't even, that wasn't even happening. He was like, I could see it going this way. Like, you didn't even give it a chance. So, yeah. Uh, so Not he went many up, people actually make it as actresses. But, <laughs> like, even you know. even so, it's like, you know, she's a teenager. Let her go through it. Fuck me. So he went on to say, so that is the sum of it. If any one of these had been the condition, we might have pulled through, but this was just too much. At least I'm certain that all have gone to heaven now. If things have gone on, who knows if this would be the case. Of course, mother got involved because doing what I did to my family would have been a tremendous shock to her at this age. Therefore, knowing oh that she is also a Christian, I felt it best that she be relieved of the troubles of this world that would have hit her. After it was mother all... got rid of them in 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, after it was all over, I said some prayers for them all from the hymn book. That was the least I could do. What? Aww. Yeah. Thanks. You're so kind. <laughs> John, you sweetheart. Oh, what a lovely man. Yeah. Now... For the final arrangements, Helen and the children have all agreed that they would prefer to be cremated. Please see to it that costs are kept low. Originally, I had planned for this <gasps> for November 1st, All Saints Day, but travel arrangements were delayed. I thought it would be an appropriate day for them to get to heaven. As for me, there's a lot more. There's like two paragraphs more. As for Fucking me, hell. please Come let on, me- Dickens, get on with it. Yeah. This was me cutting <laughs> it down, too. Uh, as for me, please let me be dropped from the congregation rolls. I leave myself in the hand of God's justice and mercy. I don't doubt that he is able to help us, but apparently he saw fit not to answer my prayers the way that I hoped they would be answered. Probably because you're a dick. <laughs> God isn't doing what you want. No. No one's doing what you want. I'll <laughs> see that the cremation's cheap. Set them on fire yourself, you lazy fuck. <laughs> 
So he said, God's not answering his prayers. This makes me think that perhaps it was for the best as far as the children's souls are concerned. I know that many will only look at the additional years that they could have lived, but if finally they were no longer Christians, what would be gained? Also, I'm sure many will say, how could anyone do such a horrible thing? My only answer is, it isn't easy and was only done after much thought. Well, I'm glad you thought about it. I'm glad you wrote a pros and cons list. (laughs) One other thing. It may seem cowardly to have always shot them from behind, but I didn't want any of them to know even at the last second that I had to do this to them. John got hurt more because he seemed to struggle longer. The rest were immediately out of pain. John didn't consciously feel anything either. He just is a complete, like, Assum- like his assumptions are through the roof. Yeah, they really are. He sounds like Trump at the moment. He also, does. if also you shot your mother in the face above the eye, so unless she was asleep, yeah, she had a gun to her face. She saw you. So she must point have been blank. absolutely shitting herself. Right. Yeah. Um, Apparently, she was the one that needed killing the least. You just said that she was a bit of collateral damage. Right. <laughs> and the other grandma too. If she had been there, she would have died as well. Like, fuck, she wasn't. Okay, so please, he said, please remember me in your prayers. I will need them whether or not no. the government does it, its duty as it sees it. I'm only concerned with making my peace with God, and of this I am assured because of Christ dying even for me. P.S. Mother is in the hallway in the attic. Third floor. She was too heavy to move. John. Best. All the best. <laughs> Kind regards, John. <laughs> Trust me, John, you won't be getting any mentions in any sermons, all right? No. So he's like, please take me from the... Oh, trust me, you won't be on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Delete. You me to do that for you. Yeah. Blocked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1970s version of blocked is just don't answer your phone. Just pretend they never <laughs> existed. Dude, that's what I do all the time. <laughs> Uh, so lists seem to have completely disappeared after this. The FBI were next brought in to take over jurisdiction because the police just weren't getting anywhere. They found books all around their home that contained subjects of getting away with murder. He also told friends what? how easy it would be for an accountant like him to access, with access to social security numbers to assume a new identity. John fell off the radar. He went missing for almost two decades. This is one of the best stories I've, like, ever heard. I just love it so much. <laughs> it's insane, and it would not happen at this time. With social media, but, with uh, Amber Alerts, with... Yeah. Just People even, being nosy. People being <laughs> nosy, even, like, uh, security. Like, if they were that rich with a 19-room house, they would have security cameras. At least. Yeah. Also, how hard is it now? Like, I haven't used paper money in God knows how long. <laughs> there's, I um, use my card yeah, consistently. The There's two things that I use cash for. So there's a lot of places still in California that you pay Plus. cash for weed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then... I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Um, yeah. 
that's changing now though since it's becoming more legal but yeah. uh the other thing is there's this donut place that only accepts cash so i love donuts <laughs> <laughs> and those two go well together <laughs> they do yep if you're picking up weed you might as well be picking up the donuts i mean like, yeah you gotta make one stop after the other <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's probably too why he didn't have a trail because he just had a bunch of cash. He closed his bank accounts and took out all the money and noped out of there. Yep. Yep. So it wasn't until May of 1989 when a new TV show had come out, America's Most Wanted. The show segment yes, on please. the family murder and the missing list featured an age-progressed clay bust sculpted by forensic artist Frank Bender. It turned out to bear a close resemblance. <laughs> what crap name? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, in England, yeah. Here, it's not yeah. that much of a okay. significance. Do you want to say right, what a bender okay. is? It's just like a derogatory word for a gay person, but yeah. it's like, it's just literally, if you've ever seen The Inbetweeners, like, <laughs> it's just what it's just what teenage boys call each other. Like, yeah. It's, Nobody, nobody would seriously go to a gay person like as a hate crime. <laughs> you, you bender. Like it's just, it's just what kids say to each other. It's stupid. Like it's right. really stupid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Apparently, he was a very talented forensic artist, though. This Frank Bender. And it turned out to bear a close resemblance to Liss' actual appearance, like what he would have looked like twenty years later. So, There's a fantastic episode of Forensic Files on this, isn't there, where you see him creating yes, the bust? Yes, and I think yep. you could you can find Google that online. It. Yeah, yeah, YouTube that shit. It's so good. Um, so it was so good the clay bust that on June first, less than two weeks after the show aired, List was arrested at a Richmond accounting firm after a Denver na- neighbor recognized the description and alerted authorities. Someone was like, "Amazing! Oh, that, that's my neighbor. That's Bob. Um, that's Bob. Yep, you're right. Yeah. FBI found that after the murders, Liz had traveled by train from New Jersey to Michigan and then to Colorado. He Clever settled. Cunt parked his car at the airport. Hmm. Yep. The fucking, the fucking planning. That he went read into all the it. books. Like, that's what he was doing. He, yeah." Remember earlier I mean, when I said should... he, he didn't go to the office, he would just sit out in his garden and read books all day? That's what he was doing. Like, how long was he yeah. planning this? I know. So, so weird. Yeah. Uh, after he took the train to Colorado, he settled in Denver in early 1972 and took an accounting job as Robert Bob Clark. So he's just known as Bob Clark. From 1970. 1970- oh my god, I said Bob, and that was his name. Yeah, I thought you knew that. I thought that's why you were saying it. No, I was it. guessing. <laughs> no, I guessed. Oh, how weird. Good job. Maybe I knew subconsciously because I've watched the forensic files. Yeah. So. Plus, it's just like the most generic name you can think of, isn't it? It really is. Like, just, you know, non assuming. Raises zero suspicions. Yeah. It's not like he went in and went, hello, I'm Rasputin. Like, <laughs> Hello, I'm Archibald. Exactly. (laughs) Blend Um, in. Yeah. From 1979 to 1986, he worked at a paper box manufacturer outside of Denver. He joined a Lutheran congregation and ran a carpool for shut-in church members. Uh, 
At one religious gathering, he met a woman named Dolores Miller, and they married in 1985. You don't know who you're sleeping next to. Nope. In February 1988, the couple moved to Virginia, where List, still using the name Bob Clark, resumed work as as an accountant. I feel like he was cutting it close. He went back to the East Close. Virginia is pretty close to New York. He very easily could have run into someone in accounting that would know him. Yeah, definitely. By that time, though, you are like, I'm never getting caught. It's been 20 years. Yeah, I've forgotten what happened. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Numerous interviews with neighbors, employers, friends, and coworkers who knew him as Bob Clark revealed that he lived as a fugitive as as he had always lived, a quiet, upright, unremarkable existence. He told coworkers at one company that his wife had died after a long struggle with cancer leaving oh, him with massive medical bills. Yeah. Oh, you can't. Like, just try to get sympathy. Also, yeah. he's so boring, right, that he worked as an accountant, and then he worked at a box factory, and then he worked <laughs> as an accountant again. <laughs> I know. Just nothing exciting about him other than You could than do this. whatever you want to do. You have left your old life behind. You have destroyed your old life. <laughs> Follow your dreams. Right, straight to the box factory. Yeah. And I'm being called Bob. (laughs) Yeah. No Mexico for me. No tropical islands for me. I'm going to Colorado. Absolutely not. Yep. (laughs) Um, So he really was blending in. And he was also in a community, they made a point to say, that was very, uh, I want to say waspy, where like nobody wanted to be in anyone's business. So when he told people like, oh, my wife died or... He also told people that he had no family. Then they didn't really ask any more questions. No, it's any business, really, is it? I mean, I I would like to know. I'd be like, who is this? I'd Bob wonder. Clark? Yeah. What makes you tick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know? Do you know anything about Bob? Seems a bit yeah. weird. <laughs> Dude, um, I've I've got. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm whispering. I've got a next door neighbor, right? Yeah. Oh fuck! I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> He doesn't. He's called and why am I using his real name? And I think he might be one of those people that like sits around with dead people in his flat and stuff. And like I say that to Carly and she's like, she's like, why are you so mean to him? Like he's done nothing wrong to you. And I'm like, I feel like every time I walk out the house, he's there. Like he like it's almost like he waits at his front door to talk to me. And I'm just like, go away. Like he just gives me the heebie jeebie. And she's like, dude, give him a break. <laughs> so you think that he's like, you think that Bob Clark is is like this guy, just kind of standing yeah. around waiting for... R- really unassuming. Mm. Nothing, like, no, like very unassuming, but for me, that's sinister. Mm. Like, I don't know yep. anything about you and I don't like yep. it. <laughs> yep. I say this to Will all the time. Like, I don't trust people who are just happy all the time. Like, I need to see some darkness to... St- to... Yeah, I need to see emotions. And yeah, tell me about your fucked up life. Right, or or like you know when you like, you know when you're talking about someone like it's kind of gossipy, and then someone's mm. like, oh, I think they're fine. It's like no, G- give me something. Like don't don't yeah. be this person. 
No, I know. I've got a few friends that never say bad stuff about anyone. And I'm like, I know you hate people. Yeah. Like, don't act like you don't. don't nobody loves everyone. Like, Show oh, me what, the you darkness. Think you're better than me? Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, say they're a cunt. You know they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me something to hold on to so that I know that I can trust you. I want to slag people off and not feel bad for it. And if you're not up for that, then go away. <laughs> it's not, but it's not even about like slagging someone off. It's like what we were saying earlier about if you went to Ghislaine Maxwell's house and, and it's like, you don't, you want to feel like how you feel is, is normal. Like if you notice somebody yeah. being weird or off, yeah. you want yeah. someone to validate you. Yeah, like, I've, you know, like, I came to America to visit you, and I met, like, a few of your friends and mm. stuff, and then I was like, they're weird, and you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they later on then proved they were weird, so. Yeah, yeah. Just goes to show. Yeah. Uh, okay. God, that's so funny. Yep. All right, so that that's how we're feeling about Bob Clark. We'd be we'd be talking about it with each other in Denver while everyone else is like, definitely, yeah, he's a nice guy. What are you talking about? I'd be the woman that called. I'd be the woman that called the police, being like, yeah. "Fuck this guy. This Get guy. Arrested. Yeah, he's done something. I don't know what I, it is, but <laughs> I just know it. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. So after his arrest, List continued to stand by his alias for several months even after extradition what? to New Jersey. Finally, faced with irrefutable evidence, including a fingerprint match with List's military records, and then the evidence yeah. found at the crime scene, he confessed to his true identity on February 16, 1990. You're his at wife, and you find that out. <sighs> Ugh. I, I bet she was long gone. What was the point in that? Like, imagine <laughs> all these people, like, he gets arrested, and then everyone's like, yeah, just watch that episode. Like, look at look at the bust on TV. It looks exactly like him. And just it really does. facing, you, you, you're his wife, and you're like, that is my husband. That's Can you, him. Didn't he have a scar as well on his face? Yes. Yeah, he had a scar. On his uh, neck, sorry. Yeah, it was like on the- back of his neck and it was very accurate so it's like so it's like really irrefutable that it was him because the chances of someone looking like that okay right. there yeah. is a chance that you've got a doppelganger but yeah. having exactly the same scar as well like right yeah no and disappearing and oh all of a sudden he arrives in your town not no don't know anything about his past yeah so he confessed, at trial, a court-appointed psychiatrist testified that List suffered from obsessive-compulsive personality disorder and that he only saw two solutions to his situation, accept welfare or kill his family and send their souls to heaven. List denied direct responsibility for his actions. He said, I feel that because of my mental state at the time, I was unaccountable for what happened. I ask all affected nope. by this for their forgiveness, understanding, and prayer. You planned the fuck out of it. You weren't mad. Yeah. What are you talking about, dude? You Even yeah. your kids were terrified of you, so you can't just be like, oh, I snapped. List was convicted of five counts of first-degree murder on April 12th, 1990, to be served consecutively. 
John List was... Yeah. He was accused of carrying out the most methodical and flawless murders in New Jersey's history. The judge said at his sentencing, John Emil List is without remorse and without honor. He said, after 18 years, five months, and 22 days, it is now time for the voices of Helen, Alma, Patricia, Frederick, and John F. John F. List to rise from the grave. He died in prison at the age of 82 on March 21st, 2008. And that is the condensed version of John List. Wow. It's just one of my favorite, like, true crime stories ever because after 20 fucking years, he got yep. caught. And not even with DNA, with a fucking clay bust. Yep. A next door neighbor. Nosy who's neighbor. Like, I don't trust this guy. I've got a weird Fuck feeling. Bob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bob, you're going to fucking jail. Yeah. And it's just how smug you must be after 18 years being like, I have gotten away with this. A hundred percent gotten away with it. Going to live the rest of my life mm. out perfectly. Got my new wife. Yeah. Like pretending to be a good person. Done. Like done and dusted. The end. Moving on. Yeah. Forgotten. Done and dusted. Like, I want to see, I wish that there was like footage of his face when he was arrested because he's just such a piece of shit. That'd be so good But also kind of a forgettable face too. I mean, he really was like just nothing exciting about him. I think I remember on the forensic files, they say that he was wearing um, quite like trendy glasses at the time Mm. and they predicted that he would have changed his glasses to something less distinct. Because they were like those horn-rimmed glasses that he used to wear. And the guy was like, if I had to guess, I would say that he would change his glasses. Because they were one of his trademark features kind of thing. That's smart. And he did. Yeah, He did. And he picked the right shaped glasses as well. Mental. The guy is like a psychic. He is is just a smart guy. Like, he thinks things out. Unfortunately, it's for all the wrong reasons. The... Oh, and there's also, like, they covered this murder on My Favourite Murder, and apparently, like, the Tiffany roof on the ballroom was worth, yes. like, 20 grand or some shit, which would yeah. have yeah. gotten them out of trouble if he'd right. have sold it. Like, but Yeah, if they had just moved out of the to... house. Exactly! Move out of your 19-bedroom house that you don't need. Move into a five-bedroom house. Like, you're still going to have money. Why don't you have 14 less bedrooms? Right. <laughs> <laughs> How about no to a ball? Is that room? not good enough? Yeah. Are you having many balls? Are you having many banquets? <laughs> have you got many no, friends? No, like, they weren't. Maybe Patricia was, but... Alma's having like a rave upstairs, but <laughs> apart from that... Patricia's like, having her drama house. student friends over. Yeah. Oh my god. Crazy. Very lengthy stories this week. Very, very meaty. They are, but matricide is complicated. All right, Uh, well, this was a really fun episode. Speak to you soon, and I hope you have a a good day. Thanks. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to Transatlantic Crime this week. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at transat crime pod instagram at transatlantic crime and on facebook with transatlantic crime podcast thanks bye